0: Hello, gladiators! Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another After Buzz TV after show for Scandal Season 3, Episode 3 Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Sophia Stanley, along with my amazing gladiators.
2: I'm Bam Erickson.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Well, we are going to jump right into this episode. And again, it is called Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington, which is a little bit too timely with so many things going on in this episode uh, with what had just gone on in the District of Columbia with people trying to mm-hmm. ram the White House, um, catching themselves on fire, or putting themselves on fire, just, and, you know, shootings previous. Um, I think that Shonda Rhimes definitely knows a little something, but I'll talk about that in predictions. Um, So we're going to jump right into it on our first topic, and the first topic is the scandal of the week, Um, and it is Mary Nesbitt who immediately uh, basically kind of takes over Pope and Associates as Olivia walks in, and Olivia realizes that she is the new client. Were um, any of you guys surprised that the Associates were able to decide On clients without Olivia's um, permission or say-so?
2: Well, you know, like you said last week, Sophia, um, when they basically saved her, it was like their mommy. uh, they were saving their mommy. And she couldn't get any clients, and the bills and the lights were about to go off. So they took it upon themselves to get a client. And Olivia was a little thrown off, like, who the hell told you guys? But I guess she wrapped her head around the decision and went forward. So... I like I like how OPA has taken the initiative because she hasn't been around lately, and why not?
1: Yeah, and money talks. She came in with a, a check. Originally, she said it was for twenty-five thousand dollars. So, you know, they saw that they were like, listen, we have bills to pay. Let you know, let's take her with it regardless. But the lady immediately leaves. She didn't even get a chance to talk to Olivia about, or maybe even them about what she needs their help with. She said she had a meeting. Yeah, Exactly. And, and I think that both of your points
0: about uh, the, the need or the necessity for the check obviously seem to be important because, A, Quinn immediately goes to basically verify that the check is valid. Mm-hmm. And they're all concerned when she comes in the room because they think that the check is bounced. Um, and that's when she informs them that uh, the name on the check is actually uh, Chris Lawrence. And, you know, she, as she has now been trained to do, as she is a little huck. Um, realized that he had been killed in an FBI raid and that the exact amount of the check was a little bit weird. It was twenty seven thousand dollars which was what uh, Mary Nesbitt had in her account. So it basically means that she cleared out her account to do whatever it is she needed them to do, which they were at this point still unaware of.
2: Yeah. But, but, you know, also, uh, Quinn gets on some people's nerves about the boldness and some of the things that she does but she hit the mark this time although she takes things uh, uh, she takes initiatives um, without asking she hit it on the nail it was appropriate for her to go into this new queen that people don't like
1: well, that wasn't really my issue with Quinn doing her job. My thing was Quinn was walking around the office, like I said last week, in front of everybody. She's like, come on, guys, let's get to it. Gladiate, radiate. <laughs> she wasn't in everybody's face basically saying to them, Huck ran away because I was in Olivia's email, and I told him what, was, what I found in the email. That wasn't, you know, that didn't come up. They were like, where's Huck? Quinn was like, I don't know. You know where he was. He ran off because you gave him the paper. So stop. Quinn, I just, I'm over Quinn. I'm sorry, guys. I'm I sorry
0: mean, I, I think, though, that Personally, it, I'm over it, her personally. I think it's actually rather symbolic that part of the reason that people don't like her is that she's now kind of stepping out on her own. And she is basically doing things on her own and or taking initiative when, ironically, that is why we didn't like her. We didn't like her because she sat around and was like, what's going on? Oh, my God, what's going on? What am I supposed to do? She kept waiting for someone to tell her what to do versus so much of, I think, what Olivia Pope and Associates do is they all know their role, right? Huck was the hacker. Abby is the one who always goes and either flirts and or cut someone down to get information. And Harrison is the fast talker. Now that Hawk seems to be we're not so sure, again, Quinn is mini Hawk, and I think that's exactly what she did, which was verifying basically the finances for the client, because without that, there is no client. And that basically is what allowed everything to unravel.
2: And something else that I just I want to say, you know, last year Quinn didn't have anything to do. She was always sitting around. And I'm just gonna compare uh, Quinn and uh, Melly just for a second. When you allow a woman, particularly a bright, intelligent woman, to sit around and do nothing, and you don't allow her to to use their intelligence. That is, that's the wrong kind of woman to just let them not use their worth. And Melia has already proven, you know, don't treat me like I'm somebody because when I'm sitting alone and I'm bored, that's when I'm gonna get your ass and it's the same thing with Quinn. Yeah. So it's like we didn't like her. She was sitting around, she they didn't give her a job. Okay, now Huck was the only one, you know, they were dissing, they were dissing her, especially Abby was making all kind of comments calling her by her first name. Huck didn't particularly gravitate to her, but Huck was just there and what? he didn't say no. So therefore she gravitated to him and now she's become this new person, but you when a woman of uh, these women uh, you know, someone as intelligent as these two women, when they sit around and do nothing, that's what happens. And you can't do that to, to smart women.
1: My issue with Quinn isn't the fact that she's now taking initiative to do her job. My issue with Quinn is that she's the domino pusher and she, <laughs> runs, she runs in the back and acts like she didn't know she pushed dominoes while they're falling to pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that... Quinn, you know, is is now the new Huck. She can hack and stuff. She helped the case. Cool. I'm cool with that. My thing is, when there is their perfect example, they're like, "Where's Huck, Quinn? I don't know, Quinn. You don't know where (laughs) Huck is. You don't know why Huck disappeared and ran out. You saw him last night when he was pissed. You saw. You told him. You remember what you told him about the email, (laughs) Quinn? You don't remember. Quinn is that girl. She's the Shady Shaniqua in the office. (laughs) Shady Shaniqua always gets the job done. She can type the fastest. She knows what she's doing. She, you know, she is legit at her job. But she'll drop little tidbits and will act like she doesn't know what's going on. Quinn, come on. Like, that's my issue. Not with Quinn's work ethic. She's a great little worker. But, Quinn, don't act like you don't know what the deal is. You, You started this whole Huck thing. Even though it was shady, you know the whole situation around it is shady. Yes, Olivia's daddy is the commander. I get it, but Quinn's like, oh, where is Hook? What you mean? I don't know. Quinn, stop playing. I'm, well,
2: I'm sorry. Just I'm gonna give you the cold piece of the week because I love <laughs> shady unicorn. I mean, I'm she's sorry. a shady.
1: She ain't going to office. She is. I'm sorry, guys. I'm ranting. No, actually, I want to go back to uh, the
0: point that that, uh, Bam made regarding not listening to intelligent women. Because I think that it plays very nicely into why Mary was there, why Mary hired Pope and associates. So because of, um, you know, Quinn investigating into the check and into Mary Nesbitt— Olivia Pope realizes something's amiss. She asks where she is. She realizes she's at the Hill. Olivia immediately goes to the Hill. And as she's going, she sees people leaving from an office, basically running away. As only Olivia Pope would do, Olivia Pope proceeds into the office. As, you're, as the camera is flashing, you start to realize that people obviously left in a hurry and something is wrong. She opens an interior office door. And there are nine or seven people. My math is off. Seven, eight people, including Mary. Um, And Mary turns around and is like, oh, Miss Pope. And as she turns around, we realize that she is completely strapped with a uh, finger (coughs) trigger. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That she learned
2: how to figure out on the Internet. That's how they learn. That's scary.
0: That's how they learn.
2: That's really scary. But, yeah.
0: And, And... You know, as as it progresses, we realize that uh, the reason that she's there is because she wants to know why her son was murdered by the FBI— And I think she really goes into this monologue about the fact that nobody listened to her. That she basically did what you're supposed to do, which is she wrote her congressperson. She called. She went on message boards. She did everything that an active citizen should do when they have a problem, but nobody listened to her. And she needed to find answers, and that's why she felt that she had no other choice but to do something so drastic and so dire to allow someone to listen to her. Do you think that's an overarching theme? Mm, yeah. Not
1: especially <clears throat> women not being listened to. I do. I mean, yeah, in this case, you 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 never know what it's like to lose a child. I, you know, I don't know. I I don't have kids, and I can only imagine what it's like, but like you said, she followed all of the steps. So, but in her mind, it was like, "What else? Do, you know, what else do you want me to do?" Like,
2: and and there was something else that I thought she said that parallels with you know, um, you know, not being heard. She said that she read an article about Olivia Pope, and the one thing Olivia does is she trusts her gut, and she trusted her gut. And, like, as parents, like we know when something's wrong with your child, whether if they say something or not, like you know. When there is something wrong with your child, so the fact that this that this character Mary, she's lost her child and she's not getting any answers. As a mother, she, she knows like okay, something's not right. Something happened to my child and I want to know. And I I feel the way that they went about it, I felt they could have um, maybe bought her off or maybe gave her some information or gave her some kind of piece of it, maybe bought her off and just pushed you know, it didn't have to get this it didn't have to get this far. Do you
0: do you really think that a normal, average, everyday woman who basically was almost kind of breaking down when she was communicating that she had to get a stronger glue gun in order to make her vest, that she basically sewed the vest on her own sewing machine and she went on the internet to find the explosives, walked into a capitol building of the united in the nation's capital in washington dc and was fully prepared to blow up eight perfect strangers was going to allow her son's memory to remain that he was a terrorist
2: i mean as soon as I said that, I was like, "Oh, that's a stupid. That's a stupid. Uh, I shouldn't say." Uh, no, I
0: mean it was it's valid, <laughs> but, you know, but, but I think but, you think is, about but, the gravity but of the I'm, situation. But thank you for calling me out because once I said
2: it, I was like, "Hell, I wouldn't do that." Yeah,
0: right. And and I actually, I actually love how they did it because I think that again, you know, Olivia walks right into the situation. And, and for all intents and purposes, Olivia is still treating this woman as if she's a client, number one. Number two, when the FBI calls, Mary basically wants um, Olivia to negotiate. And in essence, that's exactly what Olivia did. She negotiated. And even when she felt that the actual FBI negotiator was not doing his job and, to me, was being disrespectful. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else caught it. But when he said that broad with a vest... Yeah. Why was that relevant? Like That use of terminology definitely showed that he didn't respect her and the reason he didn't respect her was somewhat to do with her gender since broad is a gender-specific adjective or whatever. My grammar is going to be off and what it is. Anyways, um, and so Olivia took it upon herself to basically start to negotiate and she was the one who got seven people released because, you know, she basically was like, oh, release seven people and you'll get to see the file.
2: I I mean... Ernie Hudson, you know, that's his real name. Ernie Hudson, he was out of line for calling her abroad. Olivia was also out of line for taking the initiative because, again, if that didn't go her way, then it could have, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were both wrong, but I'm glad Olivia in this instance did take... um, go against what he said and got the six people at uh, least released. But I'm just saying that, that was she shouldn't have done that. That's That's very risky.
1: Yeah, it was risky, but on the flip side, if she wasn't there, that lady would have blew them up within 10 minutes because like the senator didn't know what the hell to do. He mm-hmm. was in there like, you know, he just was clueless and useless. The other people were going to be panicking. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody really knew how to handle the situation. The dude on the phone didn't even know how to handle it. And he was one of the terrorist uh, specialist guys. Like everybody seemed aloof. Ex- pretty much except Olivia. She was the only one with contacts. She was the one making calls. The guys on the phone weren't, they weren't on the phone with nobody. You know, it. it <clears throat> she kind of needed to be there, but it was irresponsible for of her to just follow that lady there. That was very impulsive. It was because if someone walks into your office and they say, I want you to take me on as a client, here's some money. I'll be back. I have a meeting. Naturally, you don't know this client. You've never met her. She didn't call you ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows this lady. You don't just say, oh, shoot, let me follow where she said she was going. let 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 me go as well. You wait for her to get back. You stay at the office, do your research like they were doing, and you wait. But she just got out and just and immediately followed her. That was a little weird. But I, to
0: me. I, I think that ironically, it, it shows that David has a point when he says she's an adrenaline junkie. Mm-hmm. That there's obviously something that she feeds off, uh, feeds off of, and I think that leads very nicely into when she finally has a conversation with the one person. Well, let me actually back up. So everyone now is aware of this situation. It escalates to the highest levels, i.e., the president of the United States of America. They ask the president, basically, if they have the shot. If the snipers have a shot, can they kill her? They run through the scenario and basically determine, you know, ideally if her hand is not on the trigger, that would be better because she still could potentially push the button and then it would be not a good situation. Mm-hmm. He gives the go-ahead and as he's basically giving the go-ahead and the snipers are getting, you know, situated, Harrison is on the ground, Harrison's with, communicating with Olivia, Mary also hears something is going on, is starting to panic, and- Go and on.
2: Mary's mistake, which th- that was the one mistake when she heard the, when she heard that the foot the footsteps of people coming up the stairs, she should have never went to the window yeah. because uh, you you're visible. And I mean, she had to have seen a negotiator with Sam Jackson. Come <laughs> you, on, you would,
0: think. <laughs> you would think. But I think the funny thing is, again, I think it's human instinct, and yeah. it shows that at the end of the day, she wasn't a trained operative; she was simply a mother. mother pushed to the brink um and then you know we all knew on some senses that it was coming because obviously they were basically going to shoot her because they mm-hmm. had the shot um the president fits gives the go-ahead to to take the shot olivia realizes that they're going to take the shot because olivia's probably been in this situation before and she puts herself
1: in front of the window
0: and so
2: president was not having
1: but did y'all low key see her pose in the window though like she, she shook her hair. She shook her blowout a little bit and went like Olivia. Come I mean, on. she had to have her moment. She did. Yeah. She Just had like, to have her she moment. Did, threw her
0: hair back and had her suit like. But, come let, on, girl. but let's talk about. So let's talk about though the conversation with the president and how he basically <laughs> spoke to her and he informed her. Basically, fast forward a little bit. David figures out um, what's what. We'll actually touch about, about, upon that a little bit later if we have time. And basically, the president has a conversation with her and basically informs her. Of the truth behind why her son was killed, did that surprise anybody?
2: um No, it did not surprise me, especially after the information that was revealed and plus when uh when that when that girl gave Harrison the information which wound up being which wound up being fake, um I was not surprised that the information was get, was given to her because Fitz is someone who it was Olivia, and Fitz was the right person to give that information to because you know she's going to listen to him.
1: And I wasn't surprised, even taking it back about the Harrison thing... Think about it. If this were a real terrorist situation and Olivia Pope was up there negotiating, and she was the only contact person, real FBI or real agents wouldn't go to Harrison and give mm. him the information.
2: I think something's going to play out to that maybe later on.
1: Like they, that, you know, to me that same, that scream setup—it was like tell his homeboy that this is what the story really is, so he can call Olivia. In a real legit situation, I don't see them looping Harrison in. He—he mm. he was just standing on the sideline. They know, you know, they might know that he's working with them, but technically he was just the homeboy. Did you? Just like telling me. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm going to talk about let's talk about that on Twitter a little bit further but what do you think about towards the end once the president basically had a moment and was extremely presidential and explained to her that not only was basically Mary's son, not a terrorist, but that he was a hero, that he was undercover working for the CIA, that he basically was a recruiter for the CIA and had actually recruited 57 other CIA, CIA agents to infiltrate al-Qaeda, um, and that basically Olivia had to not tell Mary because 57 lives of 57 heroes Dependent upon her not telling her.
2: That was a lot of information for Liv to soak up and make a decision really quick. But she she somewhat annoyed me when she she went into the whole, no! Um, If you are going to put yourself in a situation, you need to... We normally say man up, but you need to, to woman up and finish the responsibility for... For the bigger issue. But of course she did, but she just had to have her moment. I was just like, oh Liv, shut up.
1: Yeah, and if you ask for a classified file, mm-hmm. something is in that file that is going to probably rub you the wrong way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be classified. Yeah. Like, so I, I I like that she changed her mind because I initially thought that she was going to go try to go with her gut, pull that whole gut move and say you know, put the white hat on. I'm going to tell the, the mom the truth. I'm glad she did not do that. It's unfortunate for the mom because now she died thinking and really believing that her son is a terrorist. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate, but, I mean, they had to do what they had to do. Mm -hmm.
0: But do you think, so So basically Olivia lies to the mom, does her duty, and as they're leaving, the mom pushes her out, the door closes, and the mom pushes the button. Do you think that the mom pushed the button because she thought her son was a terrorist, or because she knew her son was not a terrorist?
2: I know. I totally believe that, listen, if she says her son didn't do it, she's not going to change her mind. Um, It it could be the pope can tell her, and if a mother thinks that her child is not what he is, she's gonna believe that. And and, but I think for Mary, I feel like she had no choice. Like, oh crap, I'm about to die. Let me die on my own terms. Boom.
1: Also, too, it could be she the senator still is senator or congressman. He still rubbed her the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So kind of it seemed like she was doing this as, as, as a payback. Like, if my son is a terrorist, if he's not. You still gave me the runaround, and I've been trying to get your help for X, Y, and Z, and I had to storm in this office and do what I got to do. So guess what? You're dying with me. Because if she just, you know, she pushed Olivia out, so she seemed like she had a vendetta mm. against him personally. Mm. But he had already left. Oh, yeah. he yeah. already the first left? one out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. Yeah, was, oh, take yeah. that yeah. back Yeah, He was, he was, he was the first was just one, one out. Yeah. Um, she was to
2: die. Yeah. I, I think she had no... I think she knew she was a, a dead duck.
0: All right. Well, Gladiators, let us know how you like this storyline, and especially whether or not at yes. the end that you think... Whether or not the mom thought her son was a terrorist, or whether or not she actually, in fact, trusted her gut. All right, we are going to move on. Go ahead.
2: What I think is, I think iTunes, right? Of course, yeah. yes. So, you guys, make sure you guys go to iTunes and uh, continue to uh, to keep us uh, number one in the top ten. And, and thank you so much for all the downloads that you guys do. But just go to iTunes, download, rate, leave, uh, leave a comment, share, tell a friend, because it really helps us here at AfterBuzz TV. So, again, iTunes, download, rate, and comments, And keep us number one, because we love it.
0: All right, we are going to jump into what I and my fellow gladiators like to call the aftermath of Rowan. And basically, in essence, it starts with a White House tour. Someone um, who is part of the White House tour, a visitor, steps aside. Secret Service uh, realizes there's a problem. They call for help. He is running towards the Oval Office. They tackle him. And he immediately says, I have to speak to the president. And it's about Operation Remington. What did you guys
1: think of that opening? I was at first when he was running, I thought it was going to be another situation where somebody tried to assassinate him. You know, obviously, you don't think somebody is rushing the White House just to have a conversation in the White House, you know, with their homeboy. Mm -hmm. You don't think that's the case. But when they said Remington, I automatically assumed, like always, Cyrus is going to be involved. Daddy. uh, uh, They call
2: him Big Daddy Pope online, right? That Daddy Pope is
1: going to be involved, and it just it's going to end all bad. You know, there's nothing—I didn't see any light at the end of that tunnel <clears throat> at all. Me neither. Were you surprised when the Secret Service apprised Cyrus of what happened, and Cyrus said, let him go? No. I wasn't—now that I think—right then, I didn't know what to feel. But Cyrus kind of had to, because Rowan already— Rowan gave him the classified information. It he, he seemed like he had to. Like, Roman probably would have killed him.
0: Weren't you a little... See, I, w- I was actually a little shocked. And the reason that I was shocked was, even though Rowan seems like the only person that Cyrus is afraid of, wouldn't you have sent your own people... To the guy, so someone that you have no idea who this person is, or you do have someone, have an idea who, who the person is, was able to gain access not only to the White House, but at least to the lobby lobby of the Oval Office to potentially do something to the president, and is screaming about Operation Remington, which seems like it has the potential to be bigger than Cytron, hmm. which almost brought down the presidency and the
1: Republic. And Cyrus is just kind of like, let him go. May- what if Rem- what if Operation Remington is something that Cyrus is siding with Rowan yeah. on? Yeah,
2: like he has no choice.
1: Maybe it's something to the extent where he's like, no, don't let him talk to Fitz. We don't know what it is. It could be that bad or that shady of a deal where Cyrus is looking at Fitz with the side eye, and now is we on Team Rowan about Operation Remington? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I told. I, I definitely think. You know, something between Cyrus and uh, Big Daddy Pope. <laughs> um, there's more to the story. And, you know, they're around the same age. So, like, I think there's a huge backstory with with those two. But Cyrus totally um, plays his cool with him versus anyone else.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... The crisis is averted. The president has to go into a bunker with Melly. That luckily um, um, kind of rectifies itself. And then we start to realize that obviously not only is Operation Remington more of a situation than we thought, but that Rowan has a hand in more things. And we realize that Huck is following Rowan, that, that this is Huck's new mission in life.
1: I wasn't expecting... When I said last week that I thought Huck was going to go away for a while, I thought he was just going to go and go to, uh, you know, the National Mall and sit with a loaf of bread and feed pigeons while he reflects on, you know, his sketchy past. I didn't think he was going to be tailing Rowan with the intent to kill him.
2: I didn't think the whole mall and the pigeons, but... (laughs) I didn't think anything. I didn't think that he was going away. That was the first thing, but... I'm not surprised because, again, the man has been lied to all of the hell that he's been through, and he's, he's fed up. Yeah, yeah. so
1: I, I mean, I agree
0: um, with that. I actually said it from last week that I knew that that was exactly what Huck was going to do, was going to try to kill Rowan. I actually, though, agree with Rowan's assessment that Huck is rusty. Because to me, did you really need to tail him? Like, if, no, I'm be, I'm being serious. If you're gonna shoot him potentially on a sidewalk or somewhere in the suburbs of Washington D.C. at some guy's trailer, shoot him in his house. No, seriously. Like, there you don't need to do this whole tailing thing. You know exactly where he lives. You know where he's gonna be. Go in the middle of the night. Go in his house and shoot him.
2: Huck is really rusty. Something um, when when um, when Huck finally uh, confronted Big Daddy Pope. Pope says. Glad that you finally had the courage to say hello. I have to give it to Pope, he is one cocky son of a bitch.
1: He is, I mean, why? He, I mean, he he got it, like you know, he has he pretty much is running everything.
2: And again, Olivia's she's just like her dad.
1: Um,
0: carry yeah. that out for me one more time, like okay, just carry it out a little bit further.
2: Meaning, he's ballsy. When um, when Huck came up to him, I'm glad you finally had the courage to say hello as if he already knew that he was coming for him because the, he knew that the information was revealed. And then just look at Olivia and how she how she demands certain things when she was with Huck. You know, what did she tell Huck? She was after all what you did to Huck. Yeah. You, to- said, yeah. you totally look, for- at yes. look at me. Yes. And, and her famous, you know, she's just like her dad. That's what I mean. As far as when they want answers, you better give it to them.
0: What I want to know is I want to know more of the backstory of B-613. Mm. Because to me, it must be some high-level programming for Rowan's voice to obviously trigger something. Because before now, let's think about it. Huck didn't know who Rowan was. He didn't even know his face. It's not like he—think about it. Or else Mm. when he saw him at Pope and Associates, he would have been like, oh, that's a B-613 guy. He would have known he was the command. Mm -hmm. But for him to, at the trailer, for him by just saying, you're rusty, I left something inside for you, is it just the fact that he knew that he was going to get to kill someone? That, to me, is a little bit too obvious. I'm going to go, and again, sorry, me and my conspiracy theories, it has to be something about some audio or audible trigger in the fact that Rowan has that type of control over Huck. For Huck not to kill him?
1: The only thing I can remember audio related with them remember when they had the assassins all in the office and they when huck had that little monologue or, or piece of the show where he said they listen to their radio every day or something mm-hmm. to see if they have an order or are supposed to be somewhere mm-hmm. that's the only thing i recalled you know hearing anything about an audio but the question is when roman was in the office when before olivia got there huck wasn't it wasn't a voice thing there either that's a very good point. So, I, it seems like it was just the control <laughs> of the situation. Not necessarily a voice, but knowing this is the commander. He, there's a job for me. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, it was weird. He, He definitely, though, had him shook. For him to just say, I left something for you, and to walk away like that, and mm-hmm. for Huck to go in there and kill the guy, that definitely is another level of mind control That I, that is, is just too hard to understand.
2: But, you know, Huck has lost it ever since he got PW'd by... Um Y'all catch that? Y'all know what that is. Omg. Oh, <laughs> by by, what's her name? Crazy, what's the girl?
1: <laughs> See what Becky, happened? What, or, yeah. Was it Becky? What's the girl's?
2: <laughs> Becky. What, Becky. Yeah. He has. He's been off of his game ever since. You know, he Coquain got low girl. taste.
1: Pw.
0: I can't. Oh my you goodness, you guys. Oh, Lord. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But this is the only thing is, I actually felt that this time was a little bit different because normally I think that when he Kills and/or tortures, he gets some pleasure in it. And to me, the way that he was walking out of the trailer, he looked clammy. And even the way that they they shot it was very grainy and felt like, for lack of a better word, it felt a little Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it felt it felt gritty and it felt raw, but not in an excited way. And you know, they normally twist it with Huck and they make it exciting <laughs> when he yeah. kills people.
2: But you know, Huck is also changing again because. He's trying to. I think Huck is in some ways he's trying to break away from the old person. Again, when he got with Cocaine Girl, you know, he fell in love, and he does. I don't. He doesn't find pleasure in killing people anymore. But like he says, he owns me. I, he controls me. Yeah. So he did it more so for the sake of Big Daddy. What, Big Daddy Joe Pop, Rowan. I mean, Pop. Rowan. <laughs> uh, Pope, you know, they basically do. has control over him.
0: Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. and, and and did you so when Olivia finally goes back to Olivia Pope and Associates, and she sees Huck, and she goes, "Huck, you scared me."
2: Go ahead, Bam. And Huck says, "Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you." The dynamic, the dynamics of their relationship has changed.
1: Yep, it's completely changed, and you can't blame Huck. Absolutely, you can't blame him at all. Olivia, though, it was weird that. After all of that, she felt comfortable. Well, she was was in the moment. She was distraught. She almost got blown to smithereens. But there was still no point of her standing off. She still had that level of comfort with him, which was surprising to me. But do you think it was because she had just
0: been through such an ordeal that she was tired? Mm -hmm. And arguably, if he was going to kill her, he's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. So there's actually, you're almost resigned to your fate. Right? Like, seriously. A huck of all people. If he wants to kill you, he's going to kill you. So at the end of the day, I'm at least going to have a conversation with you. And in some senses, she she has this—and bravado isn't the word that I want, but it is. Like, she almost has a bravado that she fails to recognize what she's playing with. Right? You have a trained assassin who has told you that he enjoys doing what he did. You for a reason that you felt was justified because you wear the white hat to push him back into that and now somehow somehow feel very comfortable that he can control that. It,
2: she's yeah. just like her dad. Um, look at all the things that she's done to David. She walks in there high and mighty with her gloves on and she wants answers <laughs> or she wants David's help and she does not she's Olivia. She doesn't care. She's just like her dad. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying she'd get it from her daddy.
1: But dad knows that Huck can't control himself, and he uses that to his advantage. Olivia naively thinks that Huck, because he's not working with her dad anymore, that he can just swap out and become this great guy who does what I ask, and if I need you to kill somebody, Huck, please kill him, but don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It seems like she has... She has her blinders on when it comes to pushing people to their limit. I completely agree with what Cornelia is saying, and I think that was evidenced by the way
0: in which she cradled him was she she was cradling herself at the same time. I think she really, something, and sorry about this, guys. I'm going to have to keep going with the conspiracy theory. To me, there's something in Olivia's backstory with her father that I think is going to blow our minds because I still contend that he has a hand in everything, number one. Number two, the old motto that we used to say before, all roads lead to fits, if all roads lead to fits, that means somehow how Olivia's positioning must be perfectly aligned by Rowan because it's only towards the end when their their affair was actually somehow going to affect the presidency that he stepped in. He's always been aware of it. Mm -hmm. And so if he's always been aware of it and he's always been aware of Remington, then based on what the intruder from the White House said, Fitz being president was set up from way back. That's why whatever happened at Remington had to happen because Fitz
1: had to be president. And if it was set up from way back, who what happened in defiance defiance but even before that sorry yeah. i'm gonna jump on you before mm-hmm. that also don't
0: forget if just like bam said if there's a backstory with cyrus cyrus and rowan mm-hmm. it's cyrus who brought in olivia
2: and it could be daddy it could be dad who when olivia finally made the decision remember in season two when she at the moment she was outside and cyrus was you know talking to her yeah there maybe could have been a conversation or a phone conversation like maybe there was the conversation with no, it couldn't be because they weren't. They were strange. I was gonna try and correlate. Rowan could have
1: called Cyrus, yeah, and said you better. He better win this election. You never know. Yeah, I definitely agree with with you, Sophia, when you say um, Rowan has some type of some backstory and control over Olivia. Because even when she was drinking the wine with Jake on the couch, she said he controls everything. He controls you, and he still controls me. me. So. It's not just about, you know, your dad and, you know, grounding you when you do something bad. There's something that, like you said, we don't know that hopefully we find out sooner or later because it's, it, you know, it's it's a little weird.
0: No, I completely agree. Well, let's go to um, my second favorite half of the triangle of Melly, Fitz, and Olivia. Um, what do we feel about Melly and Fitz's dynamic and, and kind of the... I would say they were really speaking extremely clearly to one another about how they feel about each other in the aftermath of this affair being public information.
2: Well, wow. Um, They can't stand each other. The way they were telling each other to shut up. I was like, wow. But it's always like one episode, Melly is on top. And then another episode, Fitz is on top. Yeah, Millie with the whole, uh, with that liquor that they was drinking. Hooch. Hooch. <laughs> moonshine. Yeah. It's basically
1: moonshine.
2: She she got his ass. She got on this time.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, does anyone have the quote? Because, I mean, her biblical reference is to the fact that when she said today was a good day, and he basically was like, oh, I thought this would be your worst nightmare. I thought you'd be happy, basically it would be a good day if Olivia had died. And she goes, no, because then you basically would have taken, what, every piece of wood, every coffin, every nail to build a cross to put up your
1: Saint Olivia? He would, too.
2: And if your whore died, then (laughs) I lose.
1: Yeah, she said, I lose our war. So she is... Really knowing they're in it, they're fighting in it. She also said, As long as she's alive, I'm happy. She's your um,
2: I cannot complete with your uh, is that what you're gonna do?
1: She said, You're she's your Achilles heel, the strings I pull to make my puppet dance, my <laughs> puppet husband dance. So she, Melly, no, I, I said this before, I think maybe it was last week. Melly always has a plan you can either get on the train with her or let it pass you by and let it leave the station. Melly has it mapped out. She knows exactly what she's going to do in regards to Fitz and Olivia.
2: But again, something that Olivia said to Cyrus when Cyrus was in the doghouse, uh, um, Olivia says that Melly is her own. I think Melly is her own worst enemy. Melly always has good good plans, but she always screws it up, or something always doesn't go her way. So she has she has a plan, but between Cyrus, Fitz, and Olivia. She always tends to lose or she always tends to fall a step back. Her plan always somewhat backfires. and I know why. why?
0: They there's a theory and I think we've talked about it here that the opposite of love is indifference, not hate mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So she loved him. like even it's the whole concept and I know I'm gonna I may get flack for this, but do you remember I think it was when when Olivia and Fitz were having the conversation and he was like, I hate you and he, she was like I hate you too. That's like love talk. Like mm-hmm. when you hate someone with that much passion that you still want to fight, there's something there. Or you walk away and you would actually be at peace with it. They wouldn't talk to each other. They would go through the motions. They decide on this plan. They would go and they would do the press and it, it wouldn't be a big deal. Do you know what I mean? The fact that they literally like detest one another, there's something there. And I think it's more from Melly than we give credit. I think that a lot of her bravado and her facade is because she actually has feelings. And I think that's where she messes up, number one. Number two, and I just thought about this, both Olivia and Fitz come from what I consider to be like prep school backgrounds, right? So, and this is going to be out there, prep school backgrounds, it's like you almost follow the rules, right? Today we realize that Melly's dad makes hooch, yes. right? Makes moonshine. And that Fitz called her daddy a hillbilly. I think they underestimate her. Because the difference with Melly is Melly has two sides, right? Because Melly has the quote-unquote pedigree, but technically she can get down dirty with you. And I really think that that dialogue and the way that basically she was like, oh, here, have some hooch. You think you drink that brown liquor? You don't got nothing on this. You can't even <laughs> drink it, number one. Number two, she told him, basically, I will always control you as long as Olivia's alive. And then left him in the room and turned the lights off.
1: No yeah, I think I think she
0: has a dynamic that we're still I think she's still feeling it out. And that's the difference with her is at the end of the day, I don't really think she's afraid of anything because technically now her worst fear has now been realized. She's already admitted to an affair. There's actually a person with that affair. She's golden.
2: And of, and I do agree. Of course, she loves him. It's just yeah. Yeah. I think what 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 hurts her most is that the man she loves does not love her back.
1: Or could it be what's her, what's hurts her the most is that she's not winning. Could it she, be the I, man that I loves I her, do. doesn't love her back, but she's when it comes to the battle, sometimes you ever been in a relationship with somebody and after a while you kinda over it, but it's just about winning it winning them over. Like it's about like you feeling like you actually can wave the flag of defeat or of accomplishment, like you like did you did something. It seems like Melly, she loves him. But I think she just wants to outlast Olivia.
0: I agree. But ironically, from a strategic perspective, it's actually very easy to make her win. Give her a platform. Yeah. She's told you. She's like, give me a war. Give me the FBI. Give me something. If he gave her something, what does it say? Um, Success is the best revenge. Oh, yeah. If she was happy, she wouldn't be worried about them. She's worried about them because she realizes she's given up all of this and is going to get nothing in return. And he might get the girl.
1: No bueno. Yeah. Do you think Fitz isn't giving her a platform because she might outshine him?
2: Damn, that's a good question. I don't know why he won't give her a platform. Because I he think could. he's way more
0: spiteful than we you give know, him credit. Because yeah. he could give her a platform. It won't hurt. Every I first think lady only, has a platform. I think it would only help him. If if we think strategically, it would only, on some senses, make them a power couple and only make him look that much better. Especially given the fact that it would take away some of the shine of him being a chauvinistic person who
1: puts his you know what anywhere. Do you think he doesn't want to be looked at as a power couple? Because in the, in his end game, her being a power couple will make it look worse if he walks away from her. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: Mm. Well said, Cornelia.
2: But on the side note, that baby should be way older than what that baby was in the high he chair. He had a
1: part down the middle.
0: But that's why Fit said he can feed himself. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to baby him. Because that was a whole conversation. She was He was like, oh, he can feed himself. And she was like, no, because I need him to basically call me mama and not Marta. Who obviously is his nanny? Who he probably calls mama. Mm-hmm. So I think she's—I think she's a lot more strategic than people give her credit. But I think that Camelia's point is very astute in the fact that yeah, he needs to create—he needs to make her the villain in order for his master plan to work.
2: Yeah. And, Ooh,
0: and that is it. it. That is it, people. Mm-hmm. We will definitely uh, bring up a whole bunch of stuff and predictions. I can already see the wheels turning. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. We have actually a lot to talk about um, today for uh, news and gossip. We just kind of want to touch upon a whole bunch of things that have been going on here um, at the AfterBuzz studio and the AfterBuzz family, as well as things that have been going on for the Scandal cast all over uh, the, the internet and um, the magazine world. So... AfterBuzz TV News. All right, the first thing that we have, Cornelia is going to uh, apprise you guys of one of our absolutely amazing super fans here at After Buzz TV at Watchtower Base. And he is also an amazing gladiator who often. Uh, um, basically kind of runs the chat room for us, especially here at Scandal. We have a lot of live uh, gladiators who watch, and he helps facilitate and, and, and keeps everything moving and, and helps us a lot with our quotes when we can't um, recall things since we've just watched the show. And um, he has created something absolutely amazing that um, you AfterBuzz fans, as well as you gladiators, um,
1: hopefully will really enjoy. So, like Sophia said... Um Oh, there's a the trading card. So um, hey, Adrian, w- which is who is Watchtower Base, he's on Twitter, and he's the moderator in the chat rooms if you watch live. He created an AfterBuzz video game. It's interactive. You guys can look at it on YouTube. He has the specs going on, so you can take a look and see what it's like. But along with the video game, he created AfterBuzz TV trading cards for some of your favorite hosts. So if you are really into the show, the AfterBuzz <laughs> shows, if you are just a fan of the overall movement that we have going on here, Reach out to him and get the trading cards because you know it's just a good collector's thing to have. You never know, you know, where will pop up next, and it'll be kind of cool. I'm gonna get the trading uh, cards. it be kind of yeah. cool. I think I might get autograph trading cards too. <laughs> Me too. It'd be kind of cool <laughs> too, you know, just you know, just to have them and to keep tabs on us. And they're cute. Like, so if you want. The, the trading cards. If you want to see the video games, reach out to uh, Adrian. He's Watchtower Base on Twitter, and he'll you know give you all the contact information. If you want him to do, to do any you know any work for you, graphics wise, I know he does that as well, and he's freelance, so reach out to him for that as well. guys. Definitely.
0: And you also can get uh, trading cards for a bunch of the other um, AfterBuzz TV yeah. hosts, like Lauren Leonelli, um, you know, a whole bunch of other people. So definitely check him out on Twitter at Watchtower Base. Um, and we have a whole bunch of Scandal um, Gladiators actually on various um, publications. Um, we're actually going to back up real quick. Um, uh, I actually just read a really amazing article with Jeff Perry, um, a Rolling Stone article. I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, and then we also have uh, Bellamy Young, Melly Grant, the First Lady. She is on the cover of Pasadena magazine looking all just—it's so funny. Can I be a dork for a second? I love actually seeing Bellamy Young separate than Melly Grant,, because yeah. I think that there is just this suave sweetness to her, her actual person who she is, which is very telling of how amazing of an actress she really is to really embody Melly Grant and to be the villain that we all love to hate.
2: Is that her real body?
0: Yeah, I, hope so. you, I remember when we saw her.
1: She
2: yes. Well, this is Hollywood. It probably mm-hmm. is. You but know, what, when you know, we saw her in, in person, she
0: looked amazing. She but um, the second picture, I want to feed some fire. Or actually, no, I think go one back. The one where she's in the in the bed with the young guy. Oh, oh right there. Who's now he? we all know that Shonda says that she takes a lot of the characters and the storylines directly from. Basically the actors, right? Now, everyone still has been saying one of the kind of the conspiracy theories is whether or not Melly cheated, right? Mm-hmm. Remember first back season. in the first season, Toe Erotica, it never really was answered. I wonder if she's playing with us here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just you know, want to bring it up. All right, we also have uh, Mr. Columbus Short. He is on the cover of Heed magazine. Hey. I definitely recommend checking it out. Go online, <laughs> look at the pictures, read the article. Um, I will leave it at that because I have gotten myself in trouble in the past whenever we bring up Mr. Short.
2: How?
0: And then last but not least, we have Tony Goldwyn on the cover of Demand magazine. I mean, how appropriate is that? Because right. he is yeah. The man. Yeah, that's right? a good picture. That is a great picture. And inside... Oh, my goodness. Everyone who loves the Superman curl, I mean seriously the pictures inside the magazine are absolutely amazing but we just wanted to give out a shout out to um you know the amazing actors on scandal um and yeah and i definitely think that we're going to be seeing more magazine covers i think i mean i think really the world is now gladiators everywhere
2: yeah Yeah.
0: everywhere every continent you know i mean hello now scandal is i think in 40 countries oh wow airing at different time periods yeah but um, i think it's about 40 countries now yeah. yeah, so definitely check all of them out on their various uh, magazine covers. So now, predictions. Kerry
2: Washington. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my goodness, yeah. how did I, do, want I do You wanted to yeah. get to handle
1: that one?
2: Yeah, Kerry Was- well, Camelia, you can go into this, but Kerry Washington is hosting uh, SNL.
1: Yeah, Kerry Washington is going to be hosting SNL on November 2nd. So guys, make sure you tune in and support, especially uh, considering... The recent, you know, outcry for um, the need for more actresses of color to be um, asked to host SNL. This also comes around the time where there's a little bit of controversy around, you know, casting with SNL. Recently, there has been some um, interviews with some of the castmates, Kenan Thompson in particular, who was asked why there aren't many uh, actresses of color cast on SNL His theory behind it was because the ones that he had with that they have seen haven't been ready for snl so but
0: you know what Camelia and and bam i'd love to get your insight just real quick because i know that a lot of the people are the lot of the comedians in general that come from snl come from the groundlings and other improvs type comedic schools and or troops right right so on some levels You have kind of the groundlings, which is kind of almost like your college, right? And then you have SNL, which is almost like grad school, right? So it's kind of like it's still a training ground because there are a lot of comedians that have been on SNL and we've never heard from them. And we have other people who obviously skyrocket like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Mm -hmm. But so what do you guys think? Do you think that that like who would who of you guys would think other than Kerry Washington, which I think she is actually going to be like hilariously funny, because I've actually seen her do comedy on um, Psych and some other shows that people may not have seen her on, but who are some other of your favorite comedians, male or female, that you think you know, have not been on SNL, but would be good for it to be on the SNL cast.
2: But see, but it's different because to host means, you know, they really, just whoever's like, who's hot or famous is the one who Oh, hosts. but how about
1: on the actual SNL cast? Yeah. Well, like, to be part of the cast. Well, historically, SNL has, you know, you, you kind of know the notable names. You have the Eddie Murphys. You have the, the Belushis. You have the... Um, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. But a lot of people auditioned for SNL that SNL deemed weren't ready who went on to do better things. Steve Carell was auditioned for SNL. He didn't get it. Jim Carrey auditioned for SNL. They said he wasn't ready. He went on to be the standout of In Living Color. So you kind of... The question really is more about not really the talent, but the recruiting methods. Yes. Especially in the age of YouTube, you have you know different outlets of media. You don't necessarily even have to be a standout at UCB, Second City, or the Groundlings anymore. You can pretty much have your own movement and do it that way. But what I think needs there's a lot, I know a lot of people who are who audition all the time, who I feel are ready. Hopefully they kind of fill that void because there's a presence that, you know, is missing on SNL that that I think would be outstanding. I have a couple friends who I want to see on there personally, but we'll see, you know. Okay. Well, listen, gladiators, I have a task for you. Normally
0: on Thursdays, we like to shut down Twitter. Let's shut down SNL. I want the numbers for November 2nd for Kerry Washington and Eminem to go through the roof. Let everyone knows that Gladiators, it's handled. Good all point. right, let's Good. go on to predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. All right, I'll start it off um, real quick. It, just to reiterate what I said before, I definitely think that all roads lead to fits and that Remington... basically shows that Fitz is not theoretically fit to be president. I think he had to have done something either cowardly. Yeah, that's what I'm going to stick to. He did something cowardly, but they had already determined that he was the guy um, that needed to be president to control the Republic. There's a certain aspect of Rowan's dialogue or monologue and, um, and Cyrus's monologue that are too identical. Um, And I think that that's going to come to fruition. Um, and
1: that's all I got so far Go ahead. I'm predicting more on the romance side now that Jake is back and he's pretty much living with Olivia Pope I now see the the tables turning and Jake getting building an actual relationship with Olivia it might take some time but she seems to be in a vulnerable state not using that as an excuse but she obviously had a connection with Jake. But last time he was in her life, and now this is—he's back. So it's kind of like the, sh- the second chance. Mm-hmm. I think Fitz, when he when he let Jake, when he did what he did to get Jake free, I think he kind of bit himself in the ass because <clears throat> now he's going to be fighting Jake for his girlfriend for real.
2: Where is James? <laughs>
1: He's still knocked out from that tranquilizer. So
2: where's James? Um, And then it was a coincidence or is it a coincidence that Mary and the guy who had the information about Remington, this all happened at the same time. And I wonder if the two correlate with each other. Um, And then, um, Huck, it's been mentioned before where when he's had conversations with uh, with Olivia, sometimes she always tells him, you know, your your heart. um, I'm not Huck. I'm sorry, uh, Cyrus. When Cyrus, he yells a lot and he always seems like he's on the brink of a heart attack. And and Olivia in season two has mentioned, you know, watch your heart, watch your heart. I'm wondering between him trying to intervene between he and uh, he and um, Mellie and Fitz and with this whole thing with Remington, like he's just yelling out of control. And I'm wondering if there's going to be something that's going to, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trigger. Some, something that's going to trigger his heart. Because he looks like he's always on the verge of a heart attack. So, that's my prediction.
1: All right, that was our after show. We hope that you enjoyed it. Where can everyone find you guys? You can find me at Canelia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll also be at Flapper's Comedy Club on Monday, 7.30. Come through, check on my Twitter for ticket information.
2: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bam Erickson. And, um, yeah.
1: And you can
0: find me on Twitter, at Sophia Stanley. And you can see us right here, same time, same place, next week for Scandal, AfterBuzz TV After Show. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network.